our Seraphim. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Generation Space podcast, our portfolio spotlight series. In this episode, I'm excited to welcome Dominic Edmonds. Dom is the CEO of Planet Watchers. Dom is an experienced entrepreneur and CEO from the world of big data, having built and grown world-leading market businesses. He is now fully focused on supporting innovation in the world of prop insurance. Hi, Dom. Hey, Leah. How's it going? Great. Thanks for coming and joining us today. I'm also pleased to welcome back to the podcast, Andre, um, who works closely with Dom and the team at Planet Watchers. Hi, Andre. Thanks for joining me again. Hi, both. Pleasure to be back for the third time. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Let's get straight to it. Dom, can you tell us a little bit about your background and how you first got into space? Yeah, absolutely. So my background, as you touched on there, is really not the space sector at all, from the world of MarTech, which you would probably struggle to find an entry further from the world of space. Uh, in the world of MarTech, I founded and built and ran a successful SaaS-based business in the world of big data. Did that for 10 years, which was an absolute blast. Um, gave me more than a taste of the excitement that goes with building a business, not to mention the challenges along the way. When I took a step back from that and was considering what the next challenge would be, I got presented with an opportunity to come on board to join the Planet Watchers team. And the truth be told there, I quickly realized it was the hardest possible thing that I could do next. And I was sold from that moment. That's just who I am. I'm that scrappy guy who likes picking fights I'm not meant to win. So uh, that's what led me to the door of Planet Watchers. I've been here, I think, a little over three years now and uh, having the same blast again. Great. It sounds like a fantastic change into, into the space industry. What about Planet Watchers itself? And how did it all begin from the start of the company and, and to now? Oh, absolutely. So the business, as I mentioned, actually was founded before I joined. So back in 2016, Roy Sheila, who's our CTO, he's the original founder of the business. He pulled the business together. Uh, he's also an ex-member of an elite Israeli military intelligence unit. And the initial focus was to really try to process incredibly complex satellite imagery and data, such as STAR, but to apply it to real-world use cases to deliver insight that was meaningful on a number of levels. And then when I was joining the business or a little over three years ago, as I said, we focused very heavily on the world of crop insurance, where we believe there is radial and boots in the ground kind of benefit that we can deliver. And this is an important theme, and I'm sure we'll touch on it a few times. It's taking the benefits of space but applying it to a different industry is really where I see the, the merging of values. Thanks, Dom. And what about the mission for Planet Watches right now? So our mission is quite simple. We want to bring that value to our customers. And value means saving them time, saving them money, increasing the accuracy in the data that they collect, and making them far more efficient. There's a lot of business in the world that doesn't want to embrace technology and be more efficient. What we have is a challenge when you look at insurance, and you look at agriculture, that you need to bring them on a journey with this bleeding edge tech and make sure they understand how they can apply it to their day-to-day -day processes, which is really crucial here. You can't walk in the room and say, here's a brand new shiny toy, go use it. And they've never used it before. How would they use it? Where would they use it? What would be the value? You've got to go on a journey of collaboration. Once you've done that, you can then really push those ROI pressure points to get the results that everyone wants. Fascinating. Thank you, Tom. Andre, I'll go over to you. How did Sarah from first come across the company Planet Watches? I wasn't actually around. So I can't tell you any of the details. What I can tell you, though, is that we at Seraphim, we look at a range of different satellite Earth observation constellations, and that we wanted to invest in optical, in thermal, and radio frequencies, so different sensor technologies. And uh, one of the hardest ones, but most interesting ones, is SARS, Synthetic Aperture Radar. And I think Dom talks a little bit about it just now. That is a technology that originally came out of the military, as far as I'm aware, but didn't really have many applications in the real world or in the commercial world. 
And so we thought that is where it needs to go. And so we did a big exercise trying to find startups that were using the technology and especially building analytics, which is very hard to do. And when we met Roy and his co-founder and his founding team, uh, we were impressed by what they built into uh, their capabilities. And I think that was kind of the, the rationale why we invested. Great. Thank you. Dom, I'll go back to you. Can you give us a little bit of an understanding of the size of the organization today? For example, how many employees you have? Do you have offices? And what about funding? How much funding have you raised today? Yeah, absolutely. We're still very much fit up into that kind of small business size. There are 30 staff members. We're split between Israel, where all of our tech and R&D takes place. We have the UK office here, where you have pretty much commercial leadership. And then we have sales and account management out in the States as well. So split across three three continents with 30 staff, and we've raised $15.5 million to date. Um, can you elaborate a little bit to everyone who your customers are and how your technology works from a real-world perspective? Yes, so that's a very easy question to answer because we literally only work with crop insurance providers in North America at this moment. We will be expanding into other territories, but crop insurance is absolutely our sweet spot. There's some very obvious reasons for that. Uh, it's a market which has deep pockets. In America last year, there were $17 billion of premiums written in insurance across only 14 businesses, it's worth noting. So we know exactly who the customers are that we have to target. But what we're doing for them is automating the capture of policy data, which currently is a large manual overhead, which is prone to errors creeping into it. And those errors can be very costly to the tunes of hundreds of thousands of dollars of denied claims. So it's a big issue to get on top of those. Right through to being able to help validate claims when they happen far quicker, far more accurately in a more cost-effective manner than can be done currently. So crop insurers, that, that, that's who we're shooting for. And yeah, we're very comfortable in that space. And Andre, over to you. How, how do Planet Watchers stand out from an investor perspective? Well, there are really three things. First of all, they're solving a real-world problem for their customers. And Don was just alluding to it. It's about removing errors, uh, speeding up timelines, and making processes more efficient. And that's something that the customer can quantify and they know what the value proposition is. So that's something we very much like. The other main thing is the technology that is behind it, because it's hard to replicate. It's a technology that's not easy to to use, and analytics are quite specific and require a lot of know-how. And so for someone to do the same, uh, it will take them time and money. And lastly, but not least, we obviously have a fantastic team leading the business in Dom and in his partner Roy on the technology side. Right. And what about the size of the market? What's the size of the addressable market? That's another very good question. So if you really think about the bigger picture, the technology can scan anything on Earth. So you could think about dozens of, uh, of use cases. Originally, the business had a bit of a focus on the agricultural market, and that's a business that's you know, the size of tens of billions of dollars. However, the specific opportunities Dom was mentioning we're going after right now, it's the North American crop insurance market. And that alone is, is worth over a billion dollars. And now, once the penetration is deep enough and we've learned enough, there's then the idea to expand it. That could either be geographically, the direction of Latin America, or possibly Europe or Asia, but it could also be vertically with different products approaching different countries. Great. And Dom, back to you. What about um, competitors? Are there any, is there anyone else doing what you're doing? No, we don't have direct competitors. If you'd like, you're selling British SAR-based analytics into the crop insurance industry to resolve challenges like acreage reporting. 
prevented planting, et cetera, because they're very, very complex and very specific use cases. Uh, the way that we view competition in the sector is from a wallet share perspective. Uh, when it comes to innovation and everyone wants to invest in innovation, you may find dollars being distributed to the likes of us, could be to other geospatial tools, could even be to drone providers. Now, we don't compete with drones, but clearly we compete for dollars. So we were aware of that, which is what continually focused us to keep our low unit costs. You know, we don't have the hardware costs associated with capturing this data. Uh, our biggest costs walk around on two feet. It's a software style business, so it's, it's nice and lean. And if we can deliver very low unit costs, we can deliver disproportionate ROI, which can't be met by these other solutions in the world of innovation. So that's how we think about competitive landscape. And what about Planet Watch's biggest achievements to date? What are you most proud of? There's obviously things every day you're proud of from the team that we've assembled to the challenges that we break through to signing those initial contracts, all of those bits and pieces. But I think I have to be most proud of the penetration we have in the market. And if you consider, I mentioned there's 14 AIPs in the United States. We currently have working relationships with 60% of that market. So I think that's a big deal for a relatively small business. Now, of course, that doesn't mean we're doing every single acre for every single customer. There's a lot more growth to come here. But in terms of getting attention and getting it in a short period of time, then yeah, I'm really proud of the penetration we have. That's great. And what about milestones? What's exciting? What's coming up for Planet Watchers? I, I think if you look at the milestone side of things, I, I've mentioned penetration and I'd only use the same answer again. But if I just said we've got 60% of the customers we're working with right now, then I want that to be 80% by the end of this year. We're out there grabbing logos. Obviously, as a business, you want to talk about revenue and growth and trajectory and all those side of things. But we know we can't get there without being sticky for our customers, without getting penetration. You go first to winning the 14 and then actually maximizing the number of people in each organization who rely on your data to build it up. So for me, those milestones come with more logos, more users, and demonstrating traction beyond just a paying customer. And when do you think you'll be able to get Planet Watches into profit? Oh, the, the magical question. I think we have to decide what time frame we want for that. You know, obviously, as a business, which is focused on growth at this moment in time, it wouldn't be right for us to sacrifice growth just to kind of hit a break-even point for the sake of it. That said, we could certainly achieve a break-even point within the next 24 months. As I say, we just need to decide whether that's the right thing for the business or whether it's holding us back from the opportunity we have in front of us. It's probably going to be the latter, if I'm honest, because we're at that stage of the growth. And I've seen on social media and in the news, it's been exciting the last few months for Planet Watches. You're spending a lot of time over in the US. What are your key takeaways around the need for your technology at this time? Yeah, travel happens uh, when all of our customers are in the United States. Then, yeah, clearly it helps to get in front of them. We've been to a couple of really interesting events, the NCIS event uh, in February, which is a particularly big one for the industry. It's one of the very few industry events that happens each year. You get everyone in the same room for effectively two to three days. So, you line up and knock them down with your, your meetings to the customers while you're there, get some FaceTime, talk about the year ahead. So it's been really important. I guess my key takeaways there, having done that and having done a couple of road trips around with customers as well, is it's nice to know when you walk in from a sales standpoint, no one's shutting the door now, face. No one doesn't want to be more efficient, doesn't want to find savings, doesn't want to improve their RRI, et cetera, et cetera. And they completely get how we can assist them. However, we need to be wary that this doesn't just happen overnight. It's not a flick of a switch. It's new technology. There's 240 million acres we're looking to monitor in the United States. You're not just going to convince them to give you that overnight and drop what exists. We also have governing bodies like the RMA, who are part of the USDA, who run legislation and regulation across the entire industry that we're engaged with. So we're in this for the, the long haul. So I guess my takeaways are we're really engaged with them. They understand the value that we can bring. We're part of the industry now that we're seen of rather than an external provider walking through the door. But also we're committed for this kind of long tail, which is why I focus on the logos now. 
we might be able to bring a 45% time saving in the world of claims right now. But with the RMA support, based on the data that LightSource can provide, with them saying you no longer need to send someone to the field in these cases, we'll be able to deliver a 90% time saving. So we know that the value only increases the more invested we are in the industry and the more we apply ourselves to helping support everyone and change it from within. We don't want to challenge these guys. We want to help them challenge themselves. So they know who you are now. They absolutely know who we are. We're there front and center, banging on the door every day. <laughs> Great. At Seraphim, we like to always back visionary founders. And what's your vision for the future when Planet Watches is a huge success? Yeah, I, I want to avoid being one of the space tech businesses that claims that they can actually change climate. You know, there, there's a lot of, we're space, we're monitoring, we're influencing climate change. You might be measuring, you might be looking at, you might be having a comment, but you're not actually changing it. The actions here on the planet actually what will change it so there's definitely a measurement piece but i'm more focused on the food production supply chain which is where we sit because clearly production of food with changing weather conditions you know we've seen a 300 percent growth in weather-based claims happening to the insurance industry meaning that climate is a real challenge we're helping them react to that in a more efficient manner rather than claiming we can stop the wind from blowing yeah fascinating thank you so much Dom. thank you andre for joining me that's that's it for me. Thank you for sharing your story, Dom. Thank you, Leah. Appreciate your time. Five, four, three, two, one. We are Seraphim.